Oh, God. Oh, somebody's tired, boy. I am. Me too. So great conditions to do a show. Oh, I'm ready to kick up the energy. Yeah. Pump <laughs> up the jam. Pump up the shoes. That's right. It's a special election edition of Think Outside the Box Set. Everyone, put on your American flag pins and everyone remember to vote next week. Don't let this one pass you by. It's going to be an important one. But the important thing is that no matter who wins and who loses, that we all come together and uh, speak civilly to each other and refuse to uh, hold anyone in power accountable and uh, refuse to criticize uh, anyone in any way. Because we're all Americans. Could, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> uh, okay, so what are we doing here today? Becca isn't with us. She's yeah. been my, the, my, my, dear, my dear partner, my dear spouse. She's been joining us for this season on taylor swift but she got sick not the scary kind not the rona kind just the regular boring kind the i don't want a podcast kind (laughs) boring yeah so we're talking about taylor swift yeah uh, just just as boys and uh we're we're talking about the we're talking about the the album reputation yeah she taylor swift she she don't give a damn about her bad reputation (laughs) yeah yeah clearly clearly it isn't weighing very heavily on her (laughs) yeah you know when someone uh talks about something a lot and they make an entire album about it and they keep saying that something doesn't bother them and they just repeat that over and over and over again that's definitely a clear sign that something is not bothering them uh yeah i hate to i hate to feel like so cynical about this but it's like i it feels like this is her brand at this point you know Mm, and she's mm -hmm. This is stuff I'm assuming that she's actually going through, but she's also hiring, you know, like writer teams essentially to write about her experience and to curate this narrative about her. Mm-hmm. And um, wait, did she hire about, are the songs are fewer of them written by her? Well, I mean, she has the last writing credit on at least in the genius on every song. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, it's like oh, there's on most of these, there's three or four people couple of them it's just her and one other person but yeah it's and it's yeah and (laughs) the the idea of the whole album just being about her public persona i don't know well there there are other albums where i i guess there are celebrities that i care about and i want to know how being famous affects them and i care about it like i i always say that like you know Kendrick Lamar is always talking about his experience of ascending and fame and how that doesn't solve any of his problems ultimately. And it causes more and it doesn't get rid of his specific traumatic experiences of growing up in Compton um, and being black. And uh, you know, like I, I care about that narrative, but I haven't heard Taylor Swift tell me anything uh that's that well i haven't heard her tell me why i should specifically care about her struggles with fame yeah i becca's made becca's made it clear that like taylor's story is meaningful to her because taylor's you know like a woman who all these men keep trying to take a narrative away from her and she's trying to reclaim it mm-hmm. um, and making a lot of bold decisions and smart decisions and making a bunch of money while doing it. And that that's mm-hmm. like an empowering thing for her. So I, I totally get that. Um, and maybe that's just not for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's difficult not to see a pretty common trajectory in her career where, I mean, same as it ever was, plus ça change. It's like someone starts as the outsider, the upstart, and as they get more and more successful, they, they start to become the establishment. Um, and that's a story that plays out all over the place. But specifically when it comes to music, there are like people who burst on the scene um, 
with lots of inventiveness and like sort of a well it's not it's not even quite as as broad as as what i'm making it out to be it's like she she writes songs about herself and the more successful she gets the more she writes songs about just being famous and what that's like and i just don't personally find those like very compelling i thought garth was really good about limiting how many songs about being a musician about being famous like that he actually he actually uh put in his albums yeah that's a good point uh and even then when he did it they were always story songs and it wasn't like confessional it was always like well i don't know if this is actually seems like this isn't actually about you you know you're yeah. processing your experience through telling a story that is interesting and it doesn't feel as like self uh i don't know it doesn't feel as myopic that way but yeah it still feels personal coming from him you know I as like personal see- as you can get from garth brooks right yeah he <laughs> doesn't even have any right he has like two writing credits in his whole discography the guy who's barely a person <laughs> <laughs> not writing very personal songs yeah i feel like icp was to a certain extent also pretty good about that like not writing songs about being famous they started getting into more like conventional uh establishment like morality and stuff yeah Um, but they i don't think they spent a lot of time like talking about their own success or how hard it is to be famous and stuff but to be clear for people who are just jumping in this season we're talking about garth brooks and icp in the same breath because we covered them both on this show back to back <laughs> that, in is, fact. that is why not because they're natural comparisons to make to taylor swift i guess garth but they brooks are would be. But of course they are everything comes back to icp in the end i i i, I clowns sort of, never die yeah whoop whoop i've sort of put them at the center of my cosmology i think or uh what the germans call weltenschauung um so they're just kind of like the, the, the center of my galaxy. Everything else orbits around them. That's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Um, yeah, this, uh, this album is, is half trap music, it's, and it's half uh, Lana Del Rey. Like she's, uh, she's lost all, all, uh, pretense of, I mean, she lost all pretense of country an album or two ago, but she's lost all pretense of yeah. like acoustic music or songwriterness. It's all, it's all very much like electro pop. Yeah. I remember there's like one song late in the album where there's just like a lot of pretty nice, just basic pop piano. And even mm-hmm. then I was like, oh, this is nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> not that I don't, I mean, I love, uh, I love um, electro pop, and I, you know, I, I love that kind of music mm-hmm. uh, when it when I like it. <laughs> you love it when capable, you like it. Cameron. I'm capable of uh, I'm capable of liking it. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I've kind of felt exhausting from yeah her. It just feel it feels like a machine, and that's not just because it's electrified instruments. It's because it's I'm talking about the 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 music industry machine of it all. Yeah. And yeah, like, I don't know. Just, yeah, it's just like this entire idea of <laughs> I've been watching the boys a lot uh, lately. I'm almost caught up um, and I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. But something that I really appreciate about it is like how cynical it is about PR and yep. um, how, you know, every thing that a person in the spotlight does is taken into consideration and manipulated by PR teams, you know, and um, in that show, it's about superheroes, but I know that that's like, you know, at Taylor's level, that's, that's happening there too. And, you know, she's got a, she's, she may be driving it, but there's a bunch of people who are like, okay, we can work, you know, with this, you, you, you've developed enough uh, beefs (laughs) by this point that we should make an album about it, you know? We, um, you know, she's probably writing a bunch of songs and they're like, well, let's take these, um, uh, let's take these chip on your shoulder songs and I'll put them together and repackage them and emphasize them. And maybe (laughs) it won't just sound like you're occasionally whiny, but empowered. (laughs) But Uh for me, yeah, I I don't know. Yeah. I I don't care for it. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're in the minority here, but I feel, I feel like it's pretty pervasive in the music industry to play the underdog. Um, 
I think I I think honestly, like it just might be popular. People just might identify with this kind of like underdog defiant status. This like um you know, screw you, you don't understand me, uh me against the world, like this kind of mindset which appears even among like very successful rappers for instance they will like pick a oftentimes a straw man uh and sort of dunk on them and win against them in this kind of way where their their listeners can vicariously experience the thrill of being the underdog that triumphs Do you know what i mean yeah I, i feel like that's really common right now in music uh, who else have you heard that from? I mean, or seen that behavior in like Lil Wayne, uh, Kanye is like very oppositional well, yeah. right now. Um, <laughs> as he gets, uh, some very, very, um, founded criticism against some of the stuff he's doing. You see that, you see that photo op with Lil Wayne and Trump and they're like talking about, uh, the platinum plan. <laughs> oh my God, man. Lil Wayne, once again. It's just like a kind of a fascinating person, but is also absolutely despicable. But you, but you, you never really want to write him off. It's like, yeah, I mean, he's like some sort of weird jester. He's always zigs <laughs> when you think he's gonna zag. And yeah, if that means support, like signing on the Trump train, like the day before Trump loses an election by a large margin, <laughs> like that's the ultimate zig. <laughs> that's pretty ziggy. It's as ziggy yeah. as you can get. I think it's ziggy comics right there. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, man, um, you remember when when Ziggy starts getting facial tattoos <laughs> <laughs> and talking about making pussies wet? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Uh. Yeah, uh, I mean, at the same time, I also kind of, (laughs) it sucks that it's like, that it was like a photo op and that it was like propaganda and stuff. But at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, if Trump was going to win, I I do want him to do the platinum plan or I want him to do something, (laughs) even if it's just for cynical (laughs) reasons. Like, I mean... I don't really want him to do anything, but if he's going to, it, there's a bunch of stuff that, you know, if he was going to be president, I would want him to do like handle the coronavirus and um, do anything yeah. for black Americans. Would be kind of nice if he, you know, did anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so like I, maybe, maybe that's where little Wayne was coming from, you know, yeah. or maybe he just doesn't give a fuck. And it's, I don't know. Speaking of which, did you watch uh, did you watch Chappelle's uh, SNL monologue from uh, Ooh, I, from Saturday Night? Uh, SNL is one of those things I can't bring myself to watch. <laughs> yeah, I never watched the show. I just if something in social media like comes up and people keep talking about it, then uh, mm. I'll check it. I'll check something out. Never mm-hmm. once in a while. That's SNL. Um, I'm sorry. But, yeah, Chappelle famously four years ago hosted right after Trump got elected and he got a lot of flack for saying we should give him a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and then he, yeah, hosted Saturday night right after, uh, well, right after um, Biden's acceptance speech. And he said the same thing. Let's just give Trump a chance. (laughs) He made, he made a lot of like, he made, he said a lot of interesting things. I think he is a, he, I think he's a really interesting person and a lot of his perspectives I think are are pretty powerful and oddly non-partisan mm. hm. in, in a way that I think is compelling. But he's also like, I don't know, like at one point he like made a joke about um, uh, this. I'm not going to just retell a joke, but basically the punchline was, well, that's why women don't make as much money as men. That's why they make half, you know, that's like Uh, the joke that he made. uh And, um, it wasn't a great joke, like the setup to it. It wasn't, it wasn't the best. And it was, it was obviously a little bit just like, like kind of like a cheap throwaway hacky, you know, Mm -hmm. faux sexist joke, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it is sexist, but like, he's like, Oh, wouldn't it, you know, like it's trying like, to well, do, we I- do ironic sexism. Yeah. It's like, well, we've done it on the show a million times, you know? Yeah. Sexism. We've done it a million times. <laughs> oh yeah. Hell yeah. Love <laughs> so that sexism. Sex-ism. Gotta have, gotta have that sexism. 
uh, and we're doing it right now. Um, <laughs> how how funny would it be to try to reclaim the word sexist, meaning someone who like is a is a fan of sex? <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm a sexist. <laughs> oh shit. Um, yeah, um, I think if anyone could do it, we could. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. I think that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So he so he makes like a that kind of joke. And then the audience like does like a, you know, and or like a like that kind of response. It's audible. And he's yeah. like, Lauren, I thought this was a comedy show, not a woke meeting or something like that. Oh, and good joke. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he did. He said it like not really as a joke. He was just like kind of earnestly complaining that people weren't laughing. It's like, yeah, it's not, it's not their fucking fault. They didn't think your joke was funny. He like, is entitled for everyone to laugh at everything he says, of yeah. course. So he does have a point there. <laughs> that that, another, that is the comedian's job is to be entitled to laughter. At another point, he he did tell a joke that I thought was at least clever if not haha funny where he's like well trump is one of our most optimistic you know presidents like um for for instance uh during charlottesville i thought there were bad people on both sides is what <laughs> is what he said and then no one laughed because i don't think anyone got it in the moment and he's like i'm just trying them out folks <laughs> <laughs> he's like all right didn't land <laughs> That's kind of a yeah, good joke. Like, I like that. It's kind of, I don't know, it's clever. It's like a yeah. half, uh, glass is half full kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to feel about Chappelle. I mean, I, f- I felt some similar things about like Louis C.K. It's just like he's really, really smart and incisive in some ways. And then other times it's like, I don't really like, I like watching you when I feel like you're being really smart. And when you're saying things that make it seem like you're out of touch, I'm not as, you're not as charming to me. And I like you because you're, when you're charming. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think so, it's the same <laughs> dynamic we're talking about where there's the outsider who is like pushing to change things up and sort of like advance their own position and their own uh, viewpoint or frame of reference or take on an art or something. And then as they get more successful, they become the establishment and they become, they get less critical. They think less critically and they become, they, they don't want to push the envelope very much. And I think that's kind of the dynamic we're seeing here in Taylor Swift a little bit. Like she's getting famous and wealthy and like her songs are getting, at least to me, less interesting. Uh, I asked Becca if she had anything to say about reputation, um, and she was like kind of half asleep and her tummy hurt. So she didn't have a whole oh. lot to say. But what she said, because oh, do we say yet that Becca's not with us this time? Uh, I know we said that on the Patreon show. We said show. that on the, our, our special Patreon show just for supporters, which is available okay. for only $2 a month among some other yeah. bonus content. Um, you can get that hot content like yeah. explaining why our season-long <laughs> guest isn't here. Yeah. So everyone should go to support.boxset.website to, <laughs> to find out what why that is. <laughs> Just like basic hospitable stuff um, (laughs) for the show. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. So I asked Becca, like, uh, do you have anything to say about reputation? And I think she said that she was under the impression that reputation was like one of her lowest selling albums, at least at this point in her career. Um, And it also was like one of the only ones to not get Grammy nominated. Well, it was the best selling album by a female artist of 2017. It sold okay. 4.5 million copies in 2017, which well, is shit. That's a lot. Like album sales have been declining so much because of it's a streaming lot. services like Spotify. <laughs> it's a lot considering that. Yeah. No one buys albums. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Huh. So it, it might be right. less successful than previous. Um, let me, f- I'll look up how many 1989 sold. Um, it oh. sold 1989 copies. It's it got it went four digits nine, baby. 9 times platinum. <laughs> it has sold over 10 million copies worldwide. Wow. Damn. I mean it's it's okay, had so more it, years to do that in, but it's well, definitely yeah, yeah. more successful. Hmm. Well, should we should we talk about songs? Sure. Yeah. Uh do you want to start with uh do you want to are you ready for it? The songs that is <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see. 
Got she's some... having wet dreams. Yep. <laughs> That's in the song. Mm-hmm. Unless she's just talking about like, I don't know, having dinner. Dancing a ballroom dance. Respecting yeah. each other. Chastely courting each other on the veranda. F- f- flying. Because you can fly in dreams sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Get losing all your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Sword fighting, but your sword uh, starts drooping. <laughs> that 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 common dream that most people have two to three times a week, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Um. Yeah, I I I I feel like this album is trying to be hornier than older albums from Taylor Swift. Definitely. But there's always these like moments where I feel like it gets undercut by like, I don't know, like romance, like, like romance and horniness um, for some reason feel like they're kind of trying to compete. Um, Mm -hmm. Like there's this moment where in this, well, we just said the like wet dream part, uh, but then there's another that says uh, touch me and you'll never be alone. And it's like, Oh, Mm-hmm. That's a that's a romantic thing. That's an old school Taylor thing to say. Oh, that's a horny romance. Yeah. So, but but the the album feels in general like it's trying to be edgy, and then it it feels totally strange to make these kind of uh, forever romance soulmate statements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When when it's when it's just trying to be kind of horny and cynical. Mm-hmm. So, and it's got some pretty provocative lyrics. It opens with "Knew he was a killer first time that I saw him. Wondering how many girls he had le- loved and left haunted. But if he's a ghost, then I can be a phantom holding him for ransom. Some some boys are trying too hard. He don't try at all, though. Younger than my exes, but he act like such a man. So I see nothing better. I keep him forever, like a vendetta. Ta vendetta. Vendetta. Do 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 do. Yeah, that. I'm di- I am disappointed. Um, disappointed uh, <laughs> by those lyrics. <laughs> uh, uh, you are disappointed by them. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, explain. Explain it, yourself. It sounds like. Um, it sounds like a Macklemore verse. Why? Uh, just like the the rhymes and the rhythms um, and the constant like the the the. Shifting quicksands of metaphors and similes that are just jumping around incoherently without really coming across anything that right. Really like works. she's like he's a killer, but then all of a sudden he's a ghost. Yeah. Well, it's like, well, is he a serial killer or is he a ghost? Yeah. Ghosts, and then there's, ghosts aren't killers; they're friendly. And then there's a <laughs> there's a kidnapping subplot. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Verse. Yeah, Ransom. you're totally right. <laughs> Uh, and he's younger than the exes, but he acts like such a man. Uh, yeah. And then she's going to keep him forever. So she's become the. Um, I guess I, I guess maybe that goes along with the ransom part. But yeah, like just the just the rhythm. Like you you could totally hear Macklemore delivering this. Knew he was a killer the first time that I saw him. Wondered how many girls he had loved and left haunted. But if he's a ghost, then I can be a phantom holding him for ransom. Some some boys are trying too hard. He don't try it all though. Like. I think the thing that 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 I don't like about Macklem- some of the Macklemore lyrics and this is that there's a bunch of asides in these lines that feel like she's mostly just throwing them in for um, rhymes, and uh-huh. and they're usually where the incoherent imagery comes from, like this line in particular. But if he's a ghost, then I can be a phantom holding him for ransom. That that just screams like forced rhyme. Uh, you know, because it doesn't really add anything metaphorically or uh, in terms of simile. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like rappers all the time will mix metaphors all over the place. So it's it's not a mm-hmm. problem to mix metaphors. Like it's 
it's actually really fun if you do it right. I'm not really sure right. what it is that sets that kind of metaphor mixing apart from what she's doing, other than it just doesn't feel very clever. And maybe that's just it. I, I think it's that. I've, I think it's also just like the really short line, um, just throwing in um, the the thing about the ransom just to rhyme with phantom on a very short line. It I, it just it feels so throwaway. Yeah, to who me. are you ransoming to? Like, yeah, it's it's who's gonna pay for this man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who thinks this guy's worth any money at all? Yeah, it seems like it's actually yeah, like if if you actually wanted him. Okay, so this this song it seems like the point of this song is that she's 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 trying to posture that she can like out fuck boy this fuck boy and. But in in the middle of doing it, she keeps saying all of this, like, stuff that undercuts her point, which is, like, we'll move to an island. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, like, you'll never be alone. <laughs> and it's, like, I don't think you're going to outfuckboy this fuckboy. <laughs> it sounds like you're, like, more committed to him than he is to you. Yep. And, like, yeah. So, I don't know. No one has yeah, to know. Like, let the games begin. She's, she says a, a bunch. Uh, it's just a very incoherent song. Every time she says in the middle of the night, I start thinking about Billy Joel because we just covered yep. <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> you should think, see the things we do. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> this just could be a Billy Joel song. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. You could just, you could just sing that over it. <laughs> um, why isn't, why hasn't she gone for uh, old school like uh, doo wop quartet and quintet harmonies? Huh. Yeah. When is she going to make her tribute to uh, the Four Seasons and is it- <laughs> like the Temptations and stuff? Whenever I hear Four Seasons, I'm just not going <laughs> to be able to like uh, think of it the same way yeah. after the uh, the, the landscaping Rudy will be total. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Four Seasons Totalitarian Landscaping. Uh, Do you want to play a sound sample of... um, uh, She emphasizes the word the. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. These are bad lyrics. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's a really it's a really subtle thing, but it it can be really exciting when you emphasize the wrong uh a word that shouldn't be emphasized like an article or something or when that word lands on the beat that should be emphasized. Mm-hmm. But but it's but you don't emphasize it with the delivery. Yeah, it it feels kind of jarring in in this in this example. Yeah, not great. Doug well, um, yeah, I think um, s- similarly, I-, I felt like Macklemore did that a lot in, in a pretty annoying way. Mm. Um, Eminem did. And then every once in a while, he would do a rhythmic delivery uh, that was incorrect on paper, but just he just sold it and it made it better and clever. Um, I don't know. <sighs> <laughs> it's just yeah it's just sort of it when i look at the writing credits of this you know it says um at ali payami um shellback max martin and taylor swift i like look through these lyrics and i'm like okay so who wrote which lyric mm-hmm. i mean i don't know who wrote all the lyrics i mean some of that's probably just the melody but it's like someone one of those people is probably just responsible for that post chorus maybe let the big games begin and then right, they yeah. then they're just going to be able to live off those royalties for the rest of their life <laughs> exactly you know that kind of stuff just kind of bums me out you know and then it's like taylor is like doing like the she's like yeah i definitely i i want the i want the song to be about uh how edgy i am but also i'm gonna let in all this <laughs> <laughs> like um yeah, like like naive romance stuff in, which is fine, 
mm-hmm. to have to have that in a song, but the messaging's all messed up, and I don't think the song's about inconsistent messaging or posturing. Right. Yeah, that's not in the text of the song or what we're supposed to think. I don't think. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be fun, but it's just like, what are you even talking about, Tay Tay? (laughs) Snap out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Um, um, Should we talk? Speaking of games, should we talk about Endgame? Let the Endgame begin. I'm so stoked, I need a toast, we do the most I'm in the ghost, I can whip in the boat I got a reputation, girl, that don't receive me I went caught away whenever you need me I don't care for that rap verse um, You so dope, I li- don't overdose, Cameron <laughs> Okay, that's funny, I don't know if it's supposed to be funny Oh, you so dope, don't overdose <laughs> <laughs> I'm so stoked. I need a toast. Eh, not as good. <laughs> we do the most. I'm in the ghost like I'm whipping a boat. Um, yeah. I I mean, I like... I think I think it it's kind of like a fun chorus. It also feels kind of derivative. Um, I heard in this album uh, a few moments of wh- things that to me sounded vaguely like Kendrick Lamar writing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's listen to that uh, again, but I have the sound sample. The, the Find the one that says Kendrick-esque. Okay. Big reputation, big reputation. Ooh, you and me, we got big reputations. Ah, and you heard about me. Ooh, I got some big enemies. Big reputation. Like, I don't know who wrote that. It doesn't sound like a Taylor melody at all to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also took a a sample of one of Kendrick's biggest songs, Backseat Freestyle. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it sounds kind of similar to this part a little bit. Coming up here. This part. Yeah, I can see that. Got a similar contour. Yeah, like it has sort of that kind of like sing-songy um, kind of quality to it. Um, and uh, by the way, uh, I hadn't listened to this song in, in quite a while to uh, Backseat Freestyle. And I forgot that the song starts with uh, Martin had a dream. Kendrick had a dream mm. and then he goes on to just sing about the most <laughs> like um I don't know kind of like stereotypically like shallow awful like rapper stuff yeah and it kind of it's it's kind of like the perfect he's so he's so good at engaging with irony um it's just a, a wonderful way to book to, to bookend uh, uh an otherwise very shallow song Mm-hmm. For him to say Martin had a dream and Kendrick had a dream. <laughs> and then, like, here's all the, I want my dick to get as big as the Eiffel Tower so I can fuck the world for 72 hours. <laughs> God damn, I got bitches. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it, it's those, it's those little things like we, we've talked a lot about on the show. Um, you know, is this depiction or endorsement? And I feel like Kendrick is really good at drawing that line. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. This song has a bunch of sports metaphors in it. Because <laughs> <laughs> Which when, when also I, makes me not care about it. When I think Taylor Swift, I think sports. 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 <laughs> I want to be your end game. I want to be your first string. I want to be your A team. I want to be your end game. End game. Is A team? All right, let's. Is that, is that a sports thing? <laughs> I thought it was. That was a dumb TV a show. TV show. <laughs> um, okay. Here, here we go. Genius annotation for contributors. An end game is a planned final outcome in which Taylor wants the guy to do what it takes to be with her. In recent times, it has also been used to describe a couple on a TV show or a book that stays together. This seems like a bad annotation. Yeah, it does. In, 
In chess, endgame is the final stage of the game just before checkmate. If the king cannot be captured, a draw. Um, yeah, then they talk about how in the music video for Look What You Made Me Do, there's um, like a rook and uh, and then some minor pieces. Um, okay, A-team, I don't know. Yeah. This, this maybe actually is pretty low concept. This is like maybe one of the most vague songs we've heard from Taylor Swift. And it's really disappointing. Like the, I was really into um, some of her albums earlier. Just they had really fucking strong song songwriting. They were so specific. They seem to be about something like, what is this song about? Is it about anything um, at all? It's about Ed Sheeran reminding us that he's, uh, that he's from the British Isles. Do you want to play that sound sample? Because yes. Ed Sheeran's in this song, and he's weirdly extra British in it. Bip, bip, cheerio. God save the queen. Basically. Oh, boy. He sounds like Harry Styles in it or something. Like... <laughs> Like he says, like he basically says paranoia instead of paranoia. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought I thought that was really strange because I don't, I didn't know that he was British until I don't know until you told me. Did I say that that he was? Huh? Yeah, cause, yeah, and because I don't feel like he really leans into that coding in his in his singing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, in this, I was like. Ugh. Also, also, it occurred to me, I think what Ed Sheeran does is the reason why I think a lot of his songs don't really land is he's doing, he, he's using a similar style of songwriting, of lyrical delivery, melody writing as like Beyonce or even Chance the Rapper, which mm-hmm. is essentially, it's through composed. Like he's, he, he it's lyrics first. And then a very simple melody that is clear, that's sung on clear pitches as opposed to rap, which is still pitched, but has a more often than not a a less, um, a less, a less, like it's a little bit less transcribable, Mm -hmm. you could say. Um, But, but uh, yeah, he's essentially doing hip hop in in this sense or like R&B, like, Mm -hmm. you know, what, um, uh, what's his name? The bad man <laughs> who does R and B. The the bad man. The R one Kelly? bad man who does yeah R Kelly. You know, it's like he's it's he's not really singing like a melody in the traditional sense of like there is a tune to this. He's singing pitched words that are basically constructed like or more like hip hop. Um, but it's it's more obviously melodic. So, um, and which is, which is great, except for, uh, I, I, you have to have good lyrics when you do it Mm -hmm. and your voice has to be really good in order to sell it. And just Ed Sheeran doesn't do either of those. Ah. His voice is fine. Um, but it's like what I feel like Ed Sheeran would, would do well to, to sing, I don't know, like, uh, something like, I don't know, like. Like that's an actual like that's a a more Western style of um, <laughs> yodeling is what I'm saying. No, I mean uh, he to to do like um basically to not do black music. I think he would sound better if he was trying to not make black music. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm saying. Hmm. And yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, he's he's so omnipresent, but so bland that. I couldn't tell you a single Ed Sheeran song, even though I'm I'm sure I've heard them in like elevators and in CVSs and you know just like lobbies. Who's got the shape of you? You know that song? Oh, I guess so. I'm in love with the shape of you. That's literally the only like memorable part of it, though. <laughs> I don't really remember anything about that song except that. <laughs> um, so bland. Okay. Do we have anything else to say about say about this song? I am I'm disappointed. Um, she keeps talking about her lips in in this album. And oh, that's the other yeah. thing. It, it feels sort of constructed. Like, she's like, oh, I'm leaning into this I- iconography of me with, like, big red lipstick. Yeah. That, like, stands out against my otherwise very light-colored features. Mm-hmm. Skin and hair. So. Yeah. Did she... 
did she start doing that around this time or had she been doing that previously i don't think she's talked about her lips well i think she well let's look let's look taylor swift no not not necessarily like she's talked about it but has she made that a uh like trademark part of her look i i think so i i think so before that okay uh and then she i think kind of leans into it more for reputation like it's in black and white the album cover but her lips are very clearly painted very dark Mm, yeah yeah they are so which yeah which is fine (laughs) i'm not saying she can't like i don't know it's uh yeah no it's when when women put on makeup they uh it turns they get all tarted up in makeup and you hate that right that's what you're saying. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> no, I no. the thing I, I guess I'm feeling cynical about is the, the, cons- the, the, the persona, the, the like world building of who Taylor is and, and the feeding us like, this is the iconography you all know. And yeah, it's like one of those things where it's like, it works if it works and it just doesn't work on me because like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't. To, I don't. I don't just like think about Taylor and her <laughs> red lipstick ever. I'm like, you know, when I hear it in the songs, I'm like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, to quote a wise man, I can love it if I like it. <laughs> yeah, sounds pretty. Sounds like a pretty smart dude. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Should we do something bad? Yeah. Um. I mean, this whole show is pretty bad. <laughs> Well, by all means. <laughs> there it is again. Yep. Speaking of lips, uh, is Miley Cyrus the uh the true iconoclast uh taylor swift she did all that freaky shit with uh flaming lips remember that oh with the band flaming yeah. lips yeah miley cyrus did a lot of really weird freaky shit with them that was awesome wait what do you mean what did she do with them uh like music yeah yeah she did like didn't she like cut a whole album with them oh interesting man maybe we should cover miley cyrus i think she might be more interested well I think Taylor Swift has been very interesting, but she's trending in a very boring direction. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I mean, we'll see with the yeah. folklore. Yeah. So there's a, she's played with the bands on stage several times. She made a playlist of her favorite flaming lips tracks for Rolling Stone. And then she made a music video um, for a song. And apparently it's titled blonde super freak steals the magic brain. Um, so, huh. yeah, I mean, that's kind of fun. Oh, oh, the, <laughs> the album is, um, Miley Cyrus and her dead pets. Um, oh my God. In 2015 and <laughs> flaming lips were credited as producers. And I think collaborators, uh, I think they like played a bunch of her, like the music too. Well, that's great. Let's, let's put a pin on that. Yeah. Um, maybe we could even do a uh, one off in that, <laughs> put a pin in that. Let's stab Miley Cyrus with a pin, huh? <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah, Taylor cool Swift thing did something say. bad. Yeah, I guess. Okay, so in the text of the song, it's they say I did something bad. Mm-hmm. Then why does it feel so good? And I I guess what she did is she dumped someone. I In the text of the song, she's getting to that, someone who is bad for she's her. She's getting to that point where she writes... It's. It seems like she's writing uh, intentionally vague to allow people to project meaning on top of it. And there's well, she she talks about it in an interview. Really? Let's see. This song is called. Oh, there's this is a it's lot. A I'm gonna one. bail if it yeah. gets too boring. <laughs> this song is called "I Did Something Bad." I wrote this song on piano. It's not gonna sound like it though. So I brought it into them, and I was trying to explain the production. I had a weird dream. And I'd woken up with this. You're like, here we go again. This is all just transcribed oh, from an yeah. audio interview. Yeah. This, this is terrible. Uh, I'd woken up with a sound in my head that was th- uh, like this. Like it was a sound that was so hooky and catchy that I knew it would have to be in the song because it was that annoying. It wouldn't stop going around in my head. 
and that sound was, and then she makes that sound that we heard. They're like, ah, oh, um, can you play it again? I, I took a sound sample of it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm getting it confused with another Kendrick Lamar thing, which I also took a sample of uh, to compare. Is it more stuff that sounds like, no, can't be backbeat freestyle? No, it's that, it's that one. More stuff that sounds like backseat oh, okay, freestyle. It sounds like, um, uh, what does the fox say? It just sounds more like that, yeah. That's just what it sounds <laughs> You're like. absolutely like, right. That, that's the only thing I can hear. I can't not hear that. Okay, uh, play the backseat freestyle one from from this song Yeah. That for comparison. Okay. Martin had a dream. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I don't know if she was actually inspired by that or not. Um, okay. So this whole quote's just about how she came up with that sound. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought we'd have an answer. Yeah. Boring. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about these lyrics? Uh, I, I like, yeah, it's, it, it's so vague. It's, it's that um yeah it's 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 vague enough to allow people to map their own meaning on it as a way of identifying with your uh listeners rather than like creating something so specific that people are drawn into the story and uh are able to part like uh participate in the story in the sense that it's something they're maybe somewhat unfamiliar with but as you write about it you help them see how they identify with it instead of doing that she's just like uh, I'm going to write something about someone doing something bad and being real cheeky about it. And then people are going to identify with that. And it's just, it's just more of that like oppositional, like it's me against the world. Nobody understands me. And right. I don't know. Like, I don't know where that comes from when it started getting so popular, maybe like out of hip hop where it's, I feel like a lot more justified. Um, right. And I don't know. Is, is it just like the sense of broad American, alienation that people are like drawn to these types of songs like haters gonna hate that type of thing so kind of devil's advocate not that i think this is a particularly good song but i think i i'm reading through the lyrics again i think it's pretty clear in the text of the song that she decided to uh date a man who was I don't know, problematic and probably it was never going to work. And, um, and then, and then she decided to dump him because it wasn't going to work. And, you know, she says, uh, where's the line? Um, if a man talks shit, then I owe him nothing. I don't regret it one bit because he had it coming. Uh, Mm. so in, in the text of the song, she's saying, they said I did something bad. And I think she's getting demonized for for making this public breakup. Um, and then, then the bridge says, they're burning all the witches even if you aren't one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got their pitchforks and proof, their receipts and reasons. That's just like so many metaphors. Um, and, uh, and so I think ultimately the song is kind of kind of a good empowering idea, which is... I did what's best for me, even though it wasn't socially advantageous. Um, and even though the optics of it aren't good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of appreciate that. I just, I don't think the song is very well put together um, or very compelling because of, I don't know, the the metaphors aren't that great. It's not that catchy to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. So um, I would say out of when it comes to the lyrical content of the songs and the storytelling, it's it's not a story that's told very eloquently, but I do understand it. And I like that more than a lot of her other songs about boys. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Okay. I don't think it's as good as Blank Space, which is kind of similar, but more positive not that it's better because it's positive but i think it's more clever the positive alternative yeah <laughs> all right well we're running low on time uh because yeah i think these three songs are like pretty 
um, pretty good representation of the rest of the album. Um, and I was, I was uh, suggesting maybe we could talk about King of My Heart and then be done. Does that sound like a plan or is there a different song you'd rather talk about? Let's, let's touch on real quick. Look what you made me do because that was like the big hit single. And then we'll, and we'll go to King of my heart. Okay. Why does it sound like a Lizzo song? Oh, I didn't put that together. I thought it sounded more like Right Said Fred. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that too. The melody really reminds me of some Lizzo song that I can't place. Huh. Hmm. Um, yeah, so this is uh, this is the big hit off the album, but I don't think I've ever heard this song before. Yeah, I, I remember watching the music video. At the time, I was teaching pop music for a living to like middle schoolers and high schoolers, and this came out, and I was like... I uh, hope I don't have to teach this one. This is kind of irritating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a... Yeah, and she, she, I don't know. She's this second verse. I don't like your kingdom keys. They once belonged to me. Huh. You asked me for a place to sleep, locked me out, and threw a feast. Mm. Um, it's like, why? Who are you talking about? I don't know. Why are you using these like monarchy metaphors? I don't I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's like just kind of incoherent and non-focused imagery that doesn't really work to me. Uh although she is the first credited writer on this song. Hmm. Yeah. The other one she was the last credited writer, I think. <laughs> oh boy. Um, there is one sound sample that we should listen to. Um, it's the, uh, the voicemail one. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. The old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. Why? Oh, cause she's dead. Wow. What a mic drop moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so also the, the cons, it sounded like she. It was the automated voicemail message. Like that was the idea. Mm-hmm. D- did Did you get that too? But yeah. then she pivots and she, and then it's like a, a dialogue. Yeah, it's like then she. It sounds like she's responding to someone asking a question. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's it's a lot of um. It's a lot of asserting, uh, without proving. I feel like it, it's posturing. Like all this album is is posturing and it is not working on me and it's just irritating. Yep, I agree. Um, because I think vulnerability is powerful and and actual like strength that's eloquently uh, displayed is powerful. Yeah, versus like, like I don't trust nobody and nobody trusts me. Yeah, like that's not a, that's not strength. <laughs> The old me is dead. I've completely moved on. You yeah. know, like uh, that's a very believable thing so. to say. Um, yeah. Also, Are you yeah. sure? <laughs> what did she do when she when she says, "Look what you made me do"? What did she do? What is she referring to? Well, it, it kind of reminds me when she said that no one's better at her than revenge or whatever the lyric was. You know, a few albums ago, and it's like. It's, <laughs> you have not proven that you're good at revenge or being spiteful yep. like up until this point. And what she's saying in that song is I'm the best at revenge because what I did to you is I made a song about how good I am at revenge and I'm getting you back with this song. And this is what it, you made me do. And that's what she's doing here. It's so, it's so meta. It's t- <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a fan. <laughs> recursive and weird. Yeah. All right. Um, move on to uh, King of My Heart. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Can't get my heart 
So this is like this is such a departure from most of the album. This seems like a it's very romantic, yeah, very like sincere romantic song. And she's and she's admitting that someone has um, complete sovereignty over uh-huh. the, over her heart that, and body and soul. That really stands out. King of my heart, body and soul. Oh boy, yeah. That's uh, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> it's uh. <laughs> I have I, I feel a lot of ways about that. Like um, I don't know. It's it's a it's a weird thing to say about anyone. I think. Um, uh, no gods, no masters. Down with tyrants. Uh, monarchy is bad. So that's one thing. Um, <laughs> You're president of my heart. <laughs> I voted you in. <laughs> You're the elected. You didn't win the popular vote. <laughs> You're the elected parliamentarian <laughs> representative of my heart, though. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that that that's weird. It's also just like I don't know. It, she spends so much of this album like talking about how she's kind of this self-sufficient, like prickly um, winner type. That it just it comes out of nowhere to be like, "You're the king of my heart." You were just saying that like no boys can do it like you, and like you are proving all your haters wrong and stuff. It's it's a weird dynamic. Yeah. Um, also, she's like I don't know. She has at times been kind of taken as a icon of empowerment for women um, to one extent or the other, or an icon of success Mm -hmm. or something. And to have her turn around and go king of my heart feels very um, odd and juxtaposed to that. Unless unless she's talking about Jesus Christ, our Lord and savior, (laughs) maybe he's the king of her heart. Uh, um, She, she does say she does use language of that. She's queen. And that will rule the kingdom inside my room and stuff. Uh-huh. And like, there's some kind of attempts at like making it, I don't know, a little less like she's a serf. <laughs> yeah. So at least she's not a serf, but uh, kings definitely outrank queens. I mean, yeah. Like, if you're going to use that I language, mean, you should be aware. Like, you can't just like dehistoricize and sanitize that language totally to the extent where you're like co rulers. It's like, no, the king is definitely outranks the queen it's a hierarchy yeah it either means something that's not good or it means it's lazy writing so (laughs) yeah (laughs) either either way it's not great yeah um hmm do i have any sound samples for this one the bridge has some nice lyrics um (laughs) is this the end of all the endings my broken bones are mending with all these nights we're spending up on the roof with a schoolgirl crush drinking beer out of plastic cups say you fancy me not fancy stuff baby all at once this is enough there's some good stuff in there some specifics yeah I, i i like the lyric now you try uh, now you try on calling me baby, like trying on clothes. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of a nice, it's just one sentence, but it, there's a whole scene there of him, you know, s- trying to say baby for the first time. Yeah. And then it's like kind of weird, yep. <laughs> you know, and it's Been like, there. oh, we do it. Is that where we're <laughs> Are we doing this now? Is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, my sweet pie pumpkin. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I think I think there's some good moments. And I mean ultimately so far in general, I think she's been best when she's not posturing. Yeah, I agree. And when she's like saucy or sassy or um uh, ironic from an from an honest place, um or when she's depicting herself as a dork, like I think it's a lot more effective and it seem it seems to be more empowering at least in terms of power that i'm ascribing to her when she does that it's like oh you seem powerful when you do this mm-hmm. so uh i i don't want to talk about this song i think we should finish yeah. up because i got to go but um can you just do the a sound sample of dancing with her hands tied this is the only song i kind of liked mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it would be worth to end on a positive okay, note. Okay, your sound sample or mine? Um, either one. Okay, I don't really care. Both. Okay, I'll do mine first and then yours.
your sound sample. Well, is it exactly the same? <laughs> well, maybe it is. <laughs> I didn't remember. Whoopsies. Okay, so uh, I don't want to talk about it much, but basically, it's just it's just a song about how she's trying to have this relationship with someone, but she's in the public eye, but she's you know getting all these like little stolen moments with this person and um and that kind of makes it sweeter and they're dancing with their hands tied and that's the the metaphor and i think it's just a a sweet song and it's not trying to it's not doing any posturing at all Mm -hmm. it's just kind of honest i think i think the beats like kind of fun and um i don't know kind of sexy and uh i think it's a good song yeah i agree i like that one Right on. Yeah. Well, let's let's close. Let's it up. close up the box. No, wait. That's the other one. Um, <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everyone. This has been Think Outside the Box Set. You can visit us online at boxset.website. Email us at email at boxset.website. Uh, um, tweet us at Tobias Podcast. Go on that iTunes and like do the stars and the ratings and the review thing. That's good. That's a good thing to do. The other other good thing you can do is um, supporting us directly by going to support.boxset.website, kicking us some money. You'll get access to all of our bonus materials, including our weekly mini show in which we talked about, it was a real blitz this week. I talked about the movie Prospect and the TV show uh, Queen's Gambit. And Cameron talked about... I talked about like episode one of the new Mandalorian season and... Uh, March comes in like a lion, the uh, anime that's on Netflix. Um, and uh, I think we did a little catch up with the boys, mm-hmm. a little the Amazon Prime bit. boys. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So check that out. Support.boxset.website. Um, we'll be back next week with Lover, Taylor Swift's album from 2019. Um, but until then, uh, you should also listen to Cameron's other podcast, which is called Get Up in the Cool. It's Get Up in the Cool month, right? It, it certainly is. Yeah. Uh, it's the um, it's the fundraising month, but that means that you should listen because I'm saving all of my specialist guests. All my guests are special, but these ones are extra duper special. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just recorded an episode with Adam Hurt that I'll be releasing at the end of the month, and he's talking about his um, his sequel to his album earth tones in all gourd banjo album it's one of the most immaculately like Ooh, uh that sounds fun. performed uh solo instrumental albums i've ever heard and this one is um with an ensemble um which is a really interesting i like i've only heard a little bit of it so far but it's it's a really interesting challenge to uh make an to play gourd banjo with an ensemble because of the um the timbral and rhythmic and it's it volume uh issues mm-hmm. there um but uh it's awesome so anyway that that one's coming at the end of the month and we got a couple of great guests in between so yeah head on over there but just tell people about think outside the box set i want more people to know about the show this is such a fun hang every week i think more people would be into it get some more people on the discord um yeah, yeah. Talk it up. Share the show. Find some forums and like, you know, find a Taylor Swift forum if you're already on one or an MCR forum or whatever, or any of the other guests that I mean, yes, top. Yeah. Cause we're going to have <laughs> Taylor Swift on the show in a couple of weeks. Cameron, you, you let oh, the yeah. cat out the bag. Come on. <laughs> uh, okay. I gotta yeah. go. Let, let's, okay. let's say let's, goodbye. Let's say goodbye. I've been Nathan Hunt and I'm, I'm extra British in it. <laughs> I'm extra British, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I've been Cameron DeWitt, and vote me for president of your heart, 2024. (laughs) Disappointed. I am disappointed. Do you know that reference? Uh, have we have we talked about? That? I think I think I have heard people make that reference. Probably you specifically. Um, I've heard that reference be made, but I don't think I know the original. Let me let me drop it in the Slack to you, Ooh. or not the Slack. You know what I mean. The chat. Disappointed. Chat Her- disappointed Hercules. Great. Okay, so for context, because it took me like a minute to like get what was happening, 
This is a blooper and it did not make it into the show because of um, Kevin Sorbo's what he thought was happening in the script. So go ahead and check that video out. What was that? Was that last thing you said? So, uh, uh, there it is. Wait a minute. This isn't my world. Disappointed! (laughs) 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 So, yeah, I guess ostensibly, uh, it, it just said disappointed in italics or in parentheses and in the script. And he's just like too coked out or whatever <laughs> or too lazy. He's just like, I guess I yelled disappointed. To the air. Disappointed. Hercules exit stage, right? <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite things. It's also great because Kevin Sorbo is like a fucking like right wing, like uh, religious right uh asshole actor <clears throat> and um like pro pro life asshole Ugh. and so I, I just i like dunking on yeah. him <laughs> personally i'm anti-life Ugh. <laughs> god save me from the, this life Blah. Blah. gross <laughs>